God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. But we're we're okay today. Are you okay? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm I'm on a little bit of a roller coaster, but hey, baby, that's life. That's really a little is. thing called fucking life. It really is. Don't you feel like one of the only benefits of getting older <clears throat> is that the roller coaster doesn't scare you so much when you're when you don't know about the roller coaster. You think that the ride you're on is real. It can be really terrifying. But then when you've been on the ride enough, you've gone around a couple of times. It's just not as scary. And then you kind of know to just relax. It's just a ride. You'll be getting off soon or you'll be taking a break soon. And then you can kind of just, I don't know, move through it. Move through it like a fucking fog or something. Well, you do over time start to realize how ephemeral everything is. I remember when I met my ex-wife and we were first like together the first few weeks that we were hanging out together. And we, we, it was one of those romances where we just really, both of us fell in love really quickly. And I remember we went to go see a movie and we were in the parking lot kind of just hugging each other, not doing anything, not making out or anything, just, and I, that's the way I remember it. But I just remember it like it was a beautiful night. And I just remembered like, oh, I'm so happy right now. But at the same time, I had this deep sadness because I knew, oh, I'm not, I'm only going to feel this for a few moments. Mm. And then I don't know if I'll ever feel it again. Mm-hmm. And so I was, at the same time that I was feeling this pure joy and love, I was also feeling this deep sadness at the same time is such a weird experience. It's almost like you can't really, you can't really get to the, you can't really have the full experience of the joy unless you're willing to concede the flip of it. Otherwise you're just kind of having, well, you're just dipping into these shallow waters all the time where you're, you know, like I think my wife sometimes would like to be with a guy that was a little less intense than me. A guy that was a little more carefree didn't really care about stuff, just wanted to have a beer, watch the game, worked hard, was a good guy. But I don't know. Then I just feel like you're just always in that little shallow water. Things don't really get interesting there. Yeah, I think she would I think she would probably be bored with something like that. Yeah. She might think that that might be easier. That's the thing about the thing I realize in my relationship with my wife, which is very complicated and hard. Our relationship's hard and complicated. I would not want to be in any other kind of relationship. Like if I was in a relationship where everything was easy and everything was going smoothly and I could, you know, see it, you know, going out into the sunset, I would be extremely bored with that. So as much as I am frustrated in my relationship, I understand that that frustration, all the things that frustrate and annoy me about my wife are the things, are the reason that I'm absolutely in love with her. If she didn't have those qualities, I wouldn't love her. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people don't, I think they miss that. They think it's just the thing 
they're like, oh no, it's just the good stuff. All the bad stuff's uh, I got to put up. I got to deal with it. And then at a certain point, a lot of people just get a divorce because they're like, oh, because you can find all the faults in the person that you're with very easily once you've been with them for even a couple months or a year. And then they just point, they just think about those and go, oh, if I had somebody, if I could just be with somebody that didn't have those faults, I'd be fine. But you're just going to look for somebody with those same exact faults. Or you're just going to trade them. You're just going to trade <clears throat> one thing for another. Sure. You're not going to get away with it. And you're bringing your own stinky shit to the table too that someone else is going to have to deal with. Th- those types of negotiations take on a lot more importance to me now. It- it's not only the good stuff that I bring or that we both bring, but it's also like, our, to your very point, like our ability to <clears throat> our ability to negotiate and see through the what what's tough about what we bring to the table too. The stakes get real high the more years you do that kind of time together. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and the math gets real complicated once you have a kid. I mean, that's just part of the equation now. Yeah. So, you know, you're dealing with a you know a whole different thing. There. He says it. He tells it like it is. He does. Who's that? Uh, he tells it like it is. He does. This is like a <laughs> Liverpudlian British guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, he's just telling it like it is. He is. Oh yeah. He is telling it. Oh yeah. He right. Uh, he tells it like it is. He does. He <laughs> <laughs> <You> right. <laughs> Well, check this out. <clears throat> that's the he. That's the he right. That's the British he right guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, he tells it like it is. He did. <laughs> I like that guy. <laughs> he right. Well, he tells it like it is. He does. Yes, he does. Well, check this out. <clears throat> we got an email address. It's bobandclint at gmail.com. You can write into the show. People have done that. Like anybody, anybody can just write in? Anyone with an like email address? There's not like a, there's not anybody like checking these emails to make sure that they're legit. Just anybody can do it. You just, if you've got a computer and you know, is it Clint and Bob or Bob and Clint? It's Bob and Clint at gmail.com. Bob and Clint at gmail.com. That's so easy. You can, anybody can just write in and then we'll maybe read them if we like them. Absolutely. It's that easy. Whatever it is swirling around in your brain, you can push those, those thought clouds into my face as soon as you just type them up and hit send. Cause I sit here in my little world in Nashville and then I have to look at what you people are saying and thinking. There's a lot of strange power there, don't you think? I think it's amazing that that's actually something that people can do. Well, check this out. Marie Paul Jeske, subject matter, or the subject is says The Saint, which we were talking about, The Saint, which is a club we played. She says, hello again, guys. Greetings from the Jersey Shore. Catching up on the episodes, and I just heard Clint's story about The Saint. That's where I live, not actually in the town Asbury Park, but my sister lives there. It's a great town for shows. I've seen many in all different venues, including The Saint. I hate that I missed you and can't believe you played there. Please come back. Other venues, including The Stone Pony, are pretty much all up by the beach and the surrounding area is more inviting. I'd be happy to meet up with you and offer a friendly face and local recommendations. All the best, Marie Paul Jeske. Well, that's nice. When do you think you'll be doing some normal touring again? Who, me? Yeah. Do you have any, uh, do you have any loose, provisional trajectory for when you might be doing a a run again? Um, I mean, it'll be post-vaccine, whatever, post-vaccine or post-real easy testing. You know, basically when people can be in a room, like if I can be in a room and know I'm not going to get, you know, sick, then 
that'll be the time. So whenever it'll be a combination of those things, vaccine and uh, real easy, quick tests, like instant tests, like pregnancy tests. Right. <laughs> right. Like an AIDS test. Like you're familiar with those. Um, well, no, like where you can, where you, where you can just test yourself and then like, it'll just be part of the ad- admission. Like yeah, when yeah, you yeah. go to, go to a show, they'll add five bucks for a COVID test and they can administer. And it won't be like something where they have to stick it up your nose. It'll be something where you can just like lick a piece of paper or something. You just lick a big, a big piece of salt. Um, Licks. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, do I have, co- do I, they're like, do I have COVID or not? Everybody We're like, I don't know. Everybody just has to lick this piece of salt. And they, but I just love the idea of being like, well, do I have COVID? I don't know. Well, why'd you have me lick the salt for fun? I don't know. Just, just for fun. We just, we just think it's amusing like, that we can get everybody to lick this communal salt. We're like, what's that? Oh, that, that's not a COVID test. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's, just, that's just something the band came up with. Uh, now, I'm assuming that, like, I mean, our schedules just would have to be miraculously work out, but. You know, before everything happened, I was going to do about six shows with you, but let's assuming that that works out that way again. How fun would it be to do a little run now having the podcast under our belts? Oh, well, we're definitely going to do some live podcasting in little venues. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. The idea of you and me on stage together uh, doing this in front of folks, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm going to read another email here from a patron. Adam G writes in. He says, wanted to send a quick note and say, Bob finally made me realize I needed to start paying to fulfill my loyalty to you guys. I had a dream the other night with you two guys, and Bob was giving me shit for not joining Patreon. So here I am. Thanks for the last entertainment. Your list of five people you'd eat dinner with made me think, of course, that I would pick you two guys. But I actually did eat dinner with Bob once a lifetime ago in Houston before a show at the Satellite Lounge. Bob was great and answered my fanboy questions. Zip, he says. I have a few other stories that Bob and I shared, but I'll send those later. And Clint, thanks for usually answering my questions or replying to me on Twitter. It's cool to know you're cool like that. Adam G. Oh, nice. I'm cool like that. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. And we do occasionally interact with you lovely people out there. So go find us. Just look up Clint and Bob or I don't know how you find it. It's impossible to search the name of this podcast, so I don't know. I don't know what to tell them. Uh, do you recall uh, a lovely dinner with this guy at the Satellite Lounge in Houston? I'm sure I'm sure it springs right to mind. Uh, it's not ringing a bell. Okay. I mean, I don't – literally, I don't know what I what I did yesterday. So, Well, we got one more email, and then we'll jump back into the abyss. This is from Ascari Amonin, who I recognize from Metal Up Your Podcast. This is uh, – we have a listener from Finland now. We're international, bitch. He said, we're international. He says the subject is Patreon zip. Do, says, do the lily button. We're international, boy. He tells it like it is. Uh, he tells it like it is. He does. <laughs> He's got a mouthful of cookies. He does. We're dying international now, son. Well, when he says it, he says it like it is. He does. Yes, he does it. Dude, was that you've now combined? You've combined Gaffney. That's like Gaffney's uh, British. Like when, when he was, him and his yeah, yeah. brother were separated when they were five, and he moved to to England. Well, he says it like he does. He does. <laughs> he owns like a British plumbing service, but all the names of pipes and stuff are different because it's England. Uh, Ascari says, "Hey, Bob and Clint came over from Metal Up Your Podcast Land way back when you started this podcast and finally joined the Patreon." Hadn't heard of Dang. Bob before the podcast, but obviously checked out his music and got to say, I don't like it. I love it. Cheers oh. from Finland, 
Thank you, Oscar. So good to, to see you, you over like here. It is, well, he, he tells it like it is. He does. Well, he doesn't like it. He loves it, doesn't he? He does. Dude, I'm looking at all these pictures of Josh Brolin and Diane Lane. Mm-hmm. And in every picture, Josh Brolin just looks like he's not enjoying himself. Well, And she she looks like she's, she's, I think she's a better actress in terms of like, pretending to be enjoying herself because it's all red carpet stuff. I don't know if you've ever done red carpet stuff, but it's so scary. What's scary about it? Because there's just, well, for me, it's scary because you're all these, all these strangers are trying to get your attention. They're yelling at you. They're shouting. They want you to look at them so they can take a picture of you. And it's a, and if you're with a, like if I'm with somebody like if you're with your girlfriend, you want to like it. Just all this fight, flight, reflex stuff gets triggered, and it's such a weird thing. I mean, maybe after you've done it for a while, it gets easier. But I only did it a couple times, and it was horrible. Well, but I'm, it looks like he's not enjoying himself in any of these pics. I mean, it's hard to find anyone really enjoying themselves. It's hard. It's hard to do that. I don't know. Dude, think about marrying an actress. Think about you're an actor and you're marrying another actor. I know actors like to marry each other because they feel like, well, this person understands my life and we do the same thing. But man, I don't know. If I'm an if I'm a famous guy or an actor or whatever, I, I'd like to have a partner that maybe wasn't in the biz. I mean, you've been there. You've done that before. I mean, that that sounds really stressful. Well, relationships are hard. And then... Yeah, they're already hard. They're already hard. And then when you... I mean, I was in a relationship with a really famous person. And as a guy, you kind of want to be the famous person. And when you're not, that definitely puts some stress on your relationship. And it's an unexpected thing that you're not. Did you guys ever it's talk just about that? It's one extra thing. Did you guys ever talk no. about that? No, not really. I mean, yeah, no. I mean, I think I was just, I was too young to know. I, I just wasn't aware of a lot of things back then. Uh. You know, it takes a minute. Dude, I'm telling you, the the biggest helpful thing I've ever done in my life was group therapy. I did seven years of group therapy. And before that, I'd probably done 10 or 12 years of individual therapy. But something about group therapy allowed me to get a handle on who I was. It allowed me to understand what I was feeling, what was going on internally, emotionally. It just gave me this safe practice place to practice growing up emotionally. And it took some time. I mean, I I didn't need to be in there for seven years. I could have learned everything in about three years. But literally, the reason I stayed in there for seven years was because I was so afraid of saying goodbye to the group. Because when I was younger, we moved every six months of my life from the time I was two until until I moved here 30 years ago. I moved every six months somewhere new. So I just continually lost friends. I'd make friends really easily, lose them. And so I would, I just hated saying goodbye. And so literally I stayed in there for an extra three years to not, to avoid that. And then I got a chance to do that and learned a lot of stuff about that as well. What was the impetus to go to group therapy? Like what, was there an event where you were like, I need to, I need to get help in this area for sure? Uh, no, just somebody, my, uh, Conrad, my my buddy Conrad, our our old drummer pal, mm-hmm. told me about it, and I was like, oh, let me try it, and then I did it, and uh, it was amazing, dude. Dude, for the first year, 
I would cry every time I was in there. Every time I would cry and I would leave just emotionally sort of fragile. It was weird. It was crazy. Like a little bit. Because when I was but because when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to do it. From the time I was like four or five years old, my my dad expected me to act like an adult. So if I was crying and be like, hey, quit crying or I'll give you something to cry about, mm-hmm. like literally. And so I just was like, okay, time to grow up. And I, I, you just don't grow up. What happens when you start acting like an adult when you're that age, you don't go through all the emotional stuff. You're sp- you just stuff everything until, until at a certain point, you're not even sure what you're feeling. And you, I, I, was, I thought I was like, am I a sociopath? I don't know what I'm feeling. I had a very, I mean, I didn't have, I didn't have my parents saying grow up or anything, but because of some of the things that were going on in my house, I had to grow up. I didn't have any language for it, but yeah, I had the same thing. That's, that's a, that's a big thing to untangle. It takes a long time to untangle that for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're an observant, intelligent, sensitive person, you can be in a household where you realize, oh, nobody's in charge here. Yeah. So I, if nobody's in charge, that means I have to be in charge. And you're like four. Dude, that's fucked up. I see it in my kid too. I see so much in, both in good and negative ways. Sometimes she's acting out, she's looking for boundaries or she's looking for how far she can go. And other times it's not even her trying to do that. It's just her always looking to see if someone's in charge because that's where her comfort comes from right now is knowing that mom and dad are, are in control. And even if, even if I am a little scared or worried about what we're doing about whatever it is, I don't have all the answers, but I don't let her see that, you know? And I think about where I come from and what I had to see, because you're right. It's, there's some point, whether you're four or six or 13, where you, you, you look up and you're like, no one's driving the ship. Right. And I don't know how to drive this car, but I guess I'm going to figure it out. Or I'm just going to pretend or something. Dude, that's some scary shit. Whenever we have fights, which isn't often, but we do have some fights, me and my wife. Like, I'm pretty good about not engaging, but I mean, you know how it works. When you're in love with somebody, they know where all your buttons are and they know how to press them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can just get caught up in the whirlwind. And every time that happens, I immediately go to my daughter and I go, Hey, just want you to know me and your mom, you know, we're human. We get scared we get excited but i do the my exact feelings same are my thing. feelings i take care of them your mom's feelings are her feelings they're not your you don't have to take care of me or mom you know you just take care of yourself and we'll take care of you and yeah and she knows it now like when i do it she's like i know daddy i know but that's nobody told me that when i was a kid no 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 dude can you imagine can you dude, imagine I, I can't even imagine my dad doing it now. <laughs> well, Dude, when I when I give my dad a hug now, he thinks it's like some he thinks we're doing like a magic act. He thinks we're on stage and we're just we're sawing a woman in half. I'm like, "No, dad, I'm just giving you a hug. That's all." What is what do you mean? Like what's you mean he has like a physical just, like Oh, dis- we're do- Oh, we're doing this now. We're doing it. We're doing this. Really? Okay. All right, let's do it. I'm like, "Dad, it's just a hug. That's all." Do you tell your dad you love him? Yeah. Does he say Here's it back? What, dude, with my dad, yeah, I think so. We, Dude, 
When my dad turned 70, which he's 78 now, when he turned 70, we talked for like 10 minutes after dinner. And I think it was the longest we've ever talked. <laughs> and, and he made like a big deal out of it. And I was like, yeah, that seems like it was a long time for us to talk. I'll tell you the reason that my, my – I was really angry at my parents for the longest time. And then at some point, I fired them as my parents. And doing that was the best thing I've ever done for my relationship with them. Because as parents, they just weren't ever going to live up to the job. Like, I needed perfect parents for me to be okay because I'm a bit of a narcissist. As soon as I fired them and then I became the parent, they can just be grandparents because they're great grandparents. Uh, I like the way they act with my with my kids. Which I love what you're saying, but don't you have to also, I think – you firing them. I, I love that. Like you can't do the job. Um, you're no, out. They were horrible, you're out. Horrible. You know, like the same way. Yeah. You, the same. Way, I just fired the guy that mows our lawn because he never came on time. It's like you. You can't do the job. I'm not mad at you, but you. But you're. You're out. But with your parents, though, is there a level of you got to forgive too? Like, do, isn't there some forgiveness involved with that, or did you not need to do that? I think the forgiveness came when I had my kids. Uh, when I had my kids, I realized, oh, my parents loved me. They weren't good parents. They did they did a better job than their parents, but they love me. You know what I mean? And and something about that softened it for me when I realized how much they, you know, because I've dude, I I hammered my parents from from the time I was a teenager until you know, 10 years ago, I just hammered him my whole life. I was so mad at him, so angry. And, uh, and I felt, I, I, I just, I don't know. I just, now I'm like, I, I love them. I, I love, you know, I love, I, they're, you know, I don't agree with all, you know, it's not like they're not human. My dad's, you know, I see all their, character defects or how they come up short, but I still, I, I love them. They're, the relationship has changed now that, again, I don't need them to parent me. I, I have to do that for myself. That's really cool. I hope my daughter never has to fire me. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what, I don't know what, um, like, let's say that you didn't have to fire your parents for whatever reason. I think you have to do it. I think it's part of part of the problem. You have to parent yourself at a certain point. Your parents can only parent you for so long. No, no, I agree. I mean, I, there's a there's a transition that has to take place where, yeah, you, you mom and dad can't bail you out or help teach you about life anymore. And then there's definitely a transition where you have to start taking care of your parents, whether it's just financial or or they whatever it is. But I hope that she never, for the reasons you're describing, the reasons I've had to make some transitions with my parents too, like. I hope I never get fired because I wasn't doing a good job. You know, I hope I get to retire uh, gracefully, having done a good job. I get the watch. Uh, I get a nice little job at the at Walgreens, restocking the uh, restocking the fucking palmade. That's what I hope. That's all. No big deal. Hey, he's right. He is. He said it, did he? I think he's telling it like it is. Well, he said it, didn't he? Well, he he's, does well, it like he's it is. He does. Like it. He's He's saying it like it should be said. He says it like he should be said. He does. He's saying it like he say he. He's saying it right. He's saying it. 
He's telling it like it is. No, he's not. Right. He's not saying it like it's not, is he? Yeah, he's saying it like it is, he does. Let let me take a look, see. Oh, yeah, it looks like he might be just saying it like it is. I do declare. Dude, I'm like one spit and twice shy with any of those accents now. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to do any accents, dude. You can't. I'm like, dude. I've, I've been doing all this talking this podcast about how like advanced I am. Like, oh, I've I've come a long way and I'm emotionally mature now. But now I feel like I'm a four year old. Like, oh, don't use any accents. Everybody, people are just gonna start getting mad at you. Yeah, you, you're acting like you've been put in the corner, bro. Dude, you I feel like I'm. You can't I'm let like four years old right now in the corner. Uh, do you? I have a weird thing where I there is a part of me that is considering that people are listening to this. That's that's. The driving force of me trying to keep it moving along, keep it blah, blah, blah. I'm also always thinking about what I'm going to have to edit and all that stuff. But there's definitely a part of me that you can't, I don't think about people when we're talking. It just, it's not going to be good if we do that. For sure. Like, uh, it's a weird balance. Every, what, every once in a while, we'll, when when we're done recording the podcast, you and me will just like, because we're just talking, but now we're not recording. And I feel like when we're doing that, it gets even better, but yeah. we're not recording it. Yeah, but we're we're pretty good. We're pretty good about just recording what our conversation. Yeah, that be. doesn't happen really very often. No. Now on stage, it might. It'll be interesting when when you and me get on stage in front of people. It's going to be different. <laughs> like I'm, I'm going to be really excited about it and enjoying it, and I hope you will be too. So we'll see how it goes. Well, I imagine we'll have to just find whatever that rhythm is going to be. There will be a rhythm to that that's different than this, for sure. Dude, when I get on stage, I get so scared. That's when I start getting really as funny as I'm able to get, is when I'm scared on stage. Because when we're when we're talking like this, I, I'm definitely a little afraid of being boring. I don't want to be boring. So I'm going to try to say funny things. But when we're on stage, I have to be funny. Like, it's it's an imperative thing for me. And I am. Yeah, you're great on stage. It's funny all these years that we were on the stage together. I mean, I have I have no fear on stage at all. It's interesting to think about me being just a few feet away from you and just us having two different sort of coming at what we're doing from two different kind of emotional experiences. Well, when I say I'm afraid of failure or not being entertaining, that's definitely there. But I also feel as free as I feel anywhere in my life. When I'm on stage, I feel the most, like I, I feel like I have complete freedom to do and say whatever I want on stage, where I don't have that in real life. Free as a bird he is. Like a bird. Like, so you've got a bird, yeah? Right. And he's not in a cage. He's in a tree. And there's sunshine and there's clouds in the sky, maybe, or maybe there's a rainbow in the distance. Maybe there's a little town with a little wisp of smoke coming out of a chimney. Maybe there's a little hobbit getting his toenails clipped by another <laughs> hobbit. Maybe it's he's getting a, like a little pedicure, like a little hobbit pedicure where they shake, where they give a little bit of the wax on the top of the swoop, get that hobbit hair off the top of the top of the foot. But he's a bird, and he's there. And he's just chirping away. <laughs> and he's have and he's free. Free as a bird. Yeah, he's free, he is. But then somebody comes along with an email and it's like a net. And the net goes over the bird. And now the bird bird's in a cage at the at the pet smart. Well, is it a net or is it more like a BB gun? No, it's a net. And then he's in the cage at the pet smart. And now the little kids 
I look in at the bed and the bed's like, hmm, I miss the days when I was just as free as a bird, but now I'm in this little cage. And I'm like a caged bird, he is. A bird slave. I'm just a bird slave. And then they get bought by a little kid and then the kid doesn't forgets to feed them. Or they go out of town and then I starve to death in the cage and then right. die. And then he dies, he does. <sighs> well... If you like the show, you can leave us a positive <laughs> review on iTunes. It only takes a second. It goes a long way. You can support us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the letters I-O-K. Do the right thing. Get involved. It'd be just like buying Bob and I a couple of cups of coffee a month if you think the show has value. All right, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Like, okay, I get it. You don't want to spend money on the show. No problem. But here's what you can do. Leave a goddamn review. Just write, oh, I like the show. Even if you don't like it, write that. Give it a five-star review <laughs> and at least do something. But don't do nothing. Don't listen to the show over and over again. Don't write the review. And then, anyways, here's I, I feel like I'm talking to two people right now. There's two people that haven't done it. So my my apologies to the rest of you guys, because the rest of you guys did the right thing. You're on you're on Patreon. We get it. You wrote the review. You gave us a five-star review. Thank you. Thank you to everybody. I'm just talking to those two people. They're like the two people at the show not singing the chorus to Tarantula. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone knows their homework. We'll quit beating you over the head with that. We appreciate you all out there in IOK land, and we will see you next week. Peace. 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 <laughs>